you're talking to the Rolex wearing, diamond ring wearing, kiss stealing, woo, wheeling, dealing, limousine riding, jet flying, son of a gun. We are live. Got a lot of stuff to talk about. Hope everybody's doing well dealing with the Rona. I gotta put my glasses on because I can't really see. <laughs> gotta put my glasses on. We got a lot to talk about. It's a lot of stuff that's going on. Just checking to make sure the video is looking good. I don't know if it is or isn't. Yes, it is looking good. It's a couple of things that I want to get to. Red cup. Something that's bothering me that I don't like, but I did. I thought about it. You see all of these uh, MAGA people out here protesting about the Rona. You see them out there, you know, out in the streets saying they need to get their lattes. They got to go get their hair cut. You know, they want to be out in the streets. You see all of that? You see all, they're all white people, right? <laughs> all the white people. All of a sudden now white people can't follow the rules. You know, white people can't follow the rules now. Now, if it's black people and we were to protest, you know, getting shot in the back by the cops, then all of a sudden it's why don't you follow the rules? Why don't you listen to instructions? Why don't you go back to Africa if you don't like it? You know, but when somebody tells white people not to do something, not not for themselves, not for themselves, it's not like a singular thing. You see what I'm saying? It's not like you going out, it's just you. It We're asking you not to do something so you don't get other people sick. And they don't even care about other people. Red cup. But that's okay. I think I think people. I saw some white lady get arrested at the park today, and they're like, "Oh my God, white people are getting arrested at the park. Where I, for just living? Ah man, welcome to our world. You know, welcome to our world where you get arrested just for minding your business, just for minding your business. Welcome to our world. Come on in. So now you can see." But we have to deal with every single day. What, you know, oh man, you, you, you're being told what to do. You're being told how to act. You're being told where you can go, where you can't go, what you can say. Ah, welcome to our world, MAGA people. Welcome to, but here's the here's the crazy part. Here, here, here's the crazy part. Black people protest, nothing changes. <laughs> right? White people protest, they open up seven states in like 24 hours. That That's, that's the difference. You know, racist white people protest for, for 24 hours and everything changes. Everything changes. But, you know, we protest like just random stuff that, you know, should be common sense. Nothing ever changed. We say, hey, 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 we know the cops got a job. Can you just not shoot us? And all of a sudden they get, they, they, they get mad. Blue lives matter. Every time I see a white person get, get, uh, get arrested. I don't say blue lives matter. Of course, I saw the Brooklyn people get, get arrested. I mean, they should have got arrested for having that, that Corona party, but that's the difference. It's like, you know, they're going to come after us, but I see white people in the street with guns, <laughs> with guns. Cops just look the other way. Cops are like, Hey, I'm not going to do what they tell us to do. Cause the cops are MAGA too. This water doesn't taste right. I poured it into another cup. 
Man, I had to, man, I had the red cup today. That's something not right with that water. Uh, so yeah, but what does this have to do with the Patriots? This is what I figured out. This is what I figured out. The Patriots are the MAGA of the NFL. And you probably say, Rob, how the Patriots, the MAGA of the NFL? Well, look at it like this. Think of it like this. How many times do you see people on TV, ESPN, Fox, FS1, Sports Illustrated, whatever? How many times do you hear them say, the Patriot way? The Patriot way. They always say, the Patriot way. And what that's supposed to mean is the Patriot way is supposedly the best way. It's how an organization should be run. It's how a team should be ran. It, it, it says that they are above everybody else. But if you really think about it, if you really think about it, the Patriots are like Donald Trump. They made it, they make it all the way to the top. <laughs> There's no question about that. They are the presidents of the NFL. But if you really dig deeper, the Patriots are the team that always gets caught cheating multiple times. The Patriots are the ones who probably knew that Aaron Hernandez had some bodies on him and drafted him anyway. The Patriots got a guy, Patrick Chung, that is like, you know, Tony Montana had cocaine in his house. The Patriots have Julian Edelman, you know, who's been arrested multiple times. The Patriots have brought in, you know, I, I look, I think Antonio Brown should get another chance, but hey, they signed Antonio Brown. They knew what it was up with AB. So, ironically, the Patriots' way is really. The worst, if you talk about more for morals, is the is the worst way. It's not the fair way, but it's held to a high standard. Very similar to how MAGA people see themselves. They see themselves, even if they're racist, they're ugly, they're evil people. What what does who who's the main supporter of Donald Trump? Christians, who are the biggest scammers in the country? Pastors, the people that supposedly have the moral high ground. You understand what I'm saying? So to pay, use the Patriots way, there is no, the Patriots way is a, is, a, is a terrible way of doing things. If you, if you just, if you stripped away that they were the Patriots, and an alien came down, and he said there was 32 football teams, and one team has been caught on multiple times stealing, videotaping, sending in moles, messing with audio equipment, drafted murderers, drafted cocaine cowboys, drafted sexual abusers, traded for, for bad people, and all of this stuff. You'd be like, man, the best team in the NFL – is is they're horrible morally? <laughs> morally, you say I wouldn't want to do it. That's the Patriots way. This is who you hope. That's like the same way if you dropped an alien down into the United States right now, and he said, "Well, who's your president?" 
and he saw Donald Trump, he'd be like, man, I'm leaving this planet immediately. This is the best that you have? This is the best, uh, the, the supposed greatest country in the world who everybody looks up to? The best you got to run your country? It's Donald Trump? That's the best of the best? <laughs> I'm not reaching because it's factual. <laughs> It's factual that people who are morally corrupt and morally bankrupt can still be very successful in this country if, if they have the right complexion. That's, that's factual. You cannot say that the Patriots are an ideal franchise. They're not, if you're really considering playing by the rules. They're not an ideal franchise. They, they aren't, you know, they're not an ideal franchise. How I think, I mean, their owner, no, you know, no offense, but their owner is, you know, getting blowjobs in Asian spas. Yeah, their blow, yeah, yeah their owner is getting blowjobs in Asian spas. Do you think if that owner was African-American that that would just be, brushed aside well you wouldn't know you know why because there are no african-american owners in the nfl and there's a reason for that the difference is i would say is like you said they win so i feel like okay you get it you win i get you all of that now let me give you an example of the problem here the problem is let's take jerry jones and the cowboys right nobody says the cowboys way because they know the Cowboys are suspect. <laughs> so, right? They know the Cowboys have been suspect for a very long time. So nobody holds the Cowboys up to any type of moral standard. The problem is not the cheating. And the problem is not, you know, getting getting head in the Asian spot. The problem is not, you know, knowing that, that Aaron Hernandez was a shooter. The problem is holding the Patriots up as the best of the best. That's something that happens with politicians in every day, and that they hold themselves up to these high moral standards, but they don't have any. That, that's what happens with judges. Cops are supposed to protect and serve. Cops are supposed to be, when someone says, well, a cop got shot, and you didn't care as much as when a cop shot you know, somebody else. The difference is, I expect criminals... <laughs> to do criminal type of things. You see what I'm saying? The cops are supposed to be above that. They're supposed to be more, they don't supposed to be the criminals. I expect the thief to steal, right? I wouldn't expect a preacher to steal. You understand what I'm saying? I expect criminals to act like criminals. I expect bad people to act like bad people. The people that are supposed to protect you from the bad people, if they're worse than the bad people, then they get held to a higher standard. I expect a pastor not to be a crook. He's supposed to be a man of God. I don't expect him to be a crook. You know what I'm saying? That's what I'm saying. You say an owner of a team, an NFL team, it should be held to a higher standard. He's the owner. He's the overseer. So the guy from like the Colts, you know, has the drugs and the women and all of this stuff in the car. But he's the same guy that can suspend a player for a DUI or something else. You see what I'm saying? 
higher standards. It's about morality. So you're not listening, DJ. I'm not saying that the problem is what they're doing. I'm saying do whatever you got to do to win. I'm saying the problem is with the perception that is put there by the media that they are so, so high, it's somehow a moral compass that doing things the Patriots way is, is some sort of moral police. That's what I'm saying. I'm not making judgments. Everybody's a little suspect. I understand that. What I'm saying is I find it odd that people try to say these things like the Patriots are above reproach when they are the ones that are doing the worst things morally. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? See, you're not listening. That That's just what bothers me when I do these lies. Now, at one point, D2J, have I said that it was their fault? I never said it was their fault. I never said that. I'm literally trying to explain to you a correlation between how morally corrupt people can ascertain and be seen as moral to if the media and others deem it to be so, even if it's not true. That's what I'm trying to say. I'm not saying they're not doing any. I'm pretty. Look, Jerry Jones has a bunch of strippers and escorts. I understand that. But nobody holds the Cowboys up to any type of high moral standard. Nobody is saying, let's do things the Cowboys way. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? They say, let's do things the Patriots way. They get on TV. Teddy Bruschi gets up there and says everything is great. This is the, the way that they do things. And maybe what you're seeing now with Rob Gronkowski and Tom Brady is that they know that it's suspect. And that's why they bailing out. Speaking of Rob Gronkowski, that's another thing that kind of bothers me. And once again, before you even get on it, I'm not blaming Rob Gronkowski from, for this. I'm not blaming Gronk about this. This is not this is not about Gronk. This is about people. When they say Gronk being Gronk. Now, when people say Gronk being Gronk, right? That's just uh that's just a, a way of saying we're gonna let him do whatever he wants to do and not get criticized him for. You see what I'm saying? <laughs> that, that that's all it is. It's just a pass. It's like normally if it was anybody else, we would say something. But because it's Gronk, we just gonna leave it be. Yeah, boys will be boys. Gronk is a very, first off, Gronk's a very intelligent individual. Don't let the persona, you know, fool you. Don't let the persona fool you. Gronk is very smart. He's a very smart individual. Don't let all that that fool you. But he's smart enough to know if I play the dumb meathead, I can do whatever I was gonna do. I remember somebody, I forget who it was in the media. They were like, you know, oh man, the Patriots way, they would never have anybody. Uh, dancing on the sideline. Like, Gronk don't dance on the sideline all the time. You know what I'm saying? I hope they do have 24-7 belt at the NFL games. So, you know, that Gronk being Gronk, that only applies to certain players. Now, I'm not even saying that that is, 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 a, is a, a black or white thing, only because there are certain black players that get away with it too. Like, Steve Smith is a terrible, well, I won't say he's a terrible person, but Steve Smith sucker punches you know, his teammates, and, and generally was not the greatest teammate, but they just like Steve Smith, so he could do that. But, you know, if Odell Beckham hit, you know, had hit Eli Manning in the back of the head or something, it would have been a huge thing. You know what I'm saying? It kind of, yeah, it's just, it's just certain certain players get a pass. Other players don't get a pass for the same thing. Same thing. It, it, it's all about how the media ascertains how they feel about you. Like, the media love Jerry Rice. 
You go really talk to any of Jerry Rice's teammates, they'll tell you Jerry Rice was a horrible person or a horrible teammate, a selfish teammate. Now, maybe that's what made him great, but he was a selfish teammate. He always wanted the ball. He yelled at everybody. You see the stuff from the last dance, you know, right now. You know, Michael Jordan was an asshole. Scottie Pippen was moody. And everybody wanted to talk about Dennis Rodman. That's a good point, Quincy. White men in media wish they were grunk. Because a lot of white men in media, you know, let's just be honest, uh, they weren't very cool in high school and college. You know, they didn't get any girls. You know, they, you know, they were, they were just, they were just nerds. No offense to nerds. You could be a cool nerd, but they, you know, they weren't cool nerds. They were short, out of shape guys. And they wish that they were grown. They wish they were Tom Brady. They wish they were these athletes. So it, it, one, one thing, it goes one of two ways. Either they idolize them like, the, like, like they, some of the, the reporters do, or they become bitter and then they hate. They become bitter toward the black guys because I think what happens is, honestly, this is just a theory of mine. I'm not saying it's true or anything. It's just a theory. But my theory is, right, some of these reporters, they went to school in, like, Alabama, right? <laughs> they went to school in Alabama, right, where, you know, the school itself is, like, 99% you know, white people. But the football team and the basketball team are 99% black guys. And all of those white girls from Alabama who ain't never experienced having a black guy in their lives before, they go to Alabama, and next thing you know, they're getting with Jerry Judy, and all of these guys are upset. And it carries over to adulthood, right? It carries over to adulthood. Like they see, like what, what Odell Beckham with the LSU, you know, L, Odell Beckham with the LSU, him and Jarvis Landry probably ran through a bunch of white girls. And then they come in and these same guys end up working for the, the, the New York Daily News. And they're mad that Odell Beckham has got these models and all of this stuff. And they have these flashbacks. They have these flashbacks of like a 270 pound, you know, black D lineman pounding a little white girl that they went to high school with that they had a crush on. And I think it comes out in their right. I'm serious about that. You know, I, I, I'm, I'm serious about that. Like, like I honestly think that, see, black guys, we don't think like that. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You know, we, 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 we don't think like that because, you know, we're cool. <laughs> so so we're not, we, we don't worry about that. Like, I didn't go to Ohio State and said, oh, man, it's white guys messing around with these black girls. Nobody, nobody, black guys don't think like that. But I think white guys, I, I know when I was at Ohio State, uh, there was a guy, I can't remember his name off the top of my head. I can't, I can't, he didn't go to the pros, but he was a running back. He was a running back. I remember he scored two touchdowns, like two, three touchdowns in his first game, but he never really got on track. But we all stayed in the same dorm. And I remember these, these white girls from uh, Ohio, they, all these little boondock towns, they all come to Columbus. And this is the first time I've ever seen any, any black people. And I remember this guy came in, he had like his high, him and his high school girlfriend, they was coming to Ohio State together, right? So they came in together, they were staying in the same, you know, dorm room, and it lasted like the first semester. <laughs> the first semester, it lasted, and then the next semester, she was, you know, she was going around the football team, and he, uh, he, he went into a dorm room, and old boy was, you know, running back from Ohio State was, Messing his, messing with his little uh, innocent white girlfriend from high school, and man, that boy almost—I felt I almost thought he was going. At first, he was angry, but then he was sad. I was like, "Hey, man, don't commit suicide up in here. I don't want no cops or nothing up in here." He was like super depressed. So I know that guy right now is. So what? So 
he's probably like like what 38, 39 years old, probably the same age as me, right? So right now he could be your bank manager, right? He could be the loan bank manager. And you come in and you got Ohio State hat on like this, and he's the one that's gonna determine what type of loan you're gonna get. And he's gonna have that flashback of Becky getting you see what I'm saying? Like I think this stuff happens. <laughs> I honestly do. I honestly do. I think that stuff happens. I think if you come in, you remind them of the you're not gonna get the loan. Right, taking out your front. Yeah, I think I think that happens a lot. I think it happens a lot. You here's the thing, you don't know. You how would you know that when the kid when he was 19, he walked in on, on Becky getting the back blown out by some some big dude at Ohio State? You know what I'm saying? But that stuff hangs with them. So I can I can tell the reporters. I can I can actually feel the reporters that have a little something against the black athlete. Like I don't know if something happened to them in their past, but you can feel it. You can feel the ones that are cool, right? Who maybe had a couple of friends. But you can also feel the ones that had some issues, right? Like, you know, somebody probably smashed. Like Clay Travis's divorce, I feel like his wife slept with a black athlete or something, <laughs> you know, <laughs> or something like that. Peter King definitely something happened in Peter King's childhood that that got him feeling a, a, a certain way, you know. Ed Water, I think what happened to Ed Water was Ed Water was around the '90s Cowboys. Now imagine being a white guy who nobody likes, who's a nerd, around the '90s Cowboys. <laughs> Imagine how insecure that would make you, how inferior that would make you. You were around the 90s Cowboys, and you're, and they probably was making fun of him like, uh, like Pippen and Jordan was making fun of Jerry Krause. And he don't carry that all the way through his life. I think that actually happens. I really do. You can tell. They got a little twinge in their voice, a little anger in their voice. Like, some of the stuff is like, who cares? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, some of the stuff's supposed to be like funny. Like, you know, like it's just supposed to be funny, but they take it real serious. Like, like let's take like Cam Newton, for example. Like, yeah, Cam Newton dresses like an AKA. Right? And he, he types in hieroglyphics and stuff like that. Right? I mean, it's it's silly. It's just silly. It's stupid. Like, you can tell like jokes and stuff about it. But some of them seem I never see nobody so upset because a guy like, you know, where's a where's a where's an ascot? And types and hieroglyphics. Like, why are you so upset about that? The, the, it, it, something else is going, you know, that's, you know, Auburn. You see what I'm saying? <laughs> it's just, it's like unnecessary anger for no reason at all. For no reason at all. You know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, I, I just don't understand where this anger be coming from. Like, some of these reporters are, like, really, really angry. Like, sometimes I, I'm at the NBA Finals. And when I'm at the NBA Finals, when they ask the questions, you know what I'm saying? It's like they want some animosity. Like, I don't I don't get, like, are you – it's like they're trying to start something, like with LeBron or you know, Steph or KD. Like, I don't know if they, like, get off on it. Like, you know, they get them to react and they feel like that's a win for them. But it, it's just like, why? What are you so angry at? Just basketball. Just football game. Why are you so mad? <laughs> well, I mean, Roland, you know, worse to ask guy. But I heard Roland is from the hood. So, I, I mean, I don't know. 
<laughs> I mean, I don't know. I, I heard Roland got some hood in him, but, you know, he was defending old boy with the gay escort really, really hard, but I don't know what that was all about. See, here's the between Skip. See, I don't think Skip cares. You see what I'm saying? Skip, Skip doing it for the money. Skip is doing it for the, the clout. Skip is doing it for the attention. I think when Skip goes home to Ernestine and he got his shirt off and he's doing his um he's doing his pull-ups and everything and he's flexing on Instagram, Skip just cares about Skip. I don't think he had, he don't care about the what LeBron is doing or what he's he, Skip knows that whenever he comes into the office, the studio at 6 a.m., he needs to talk about something that's gonna make him some more money. I don't feel like I don't feel it. Like because here's the thing, if it felt real. If it, if it felt real, then I'd be like, that's a little odd. But Skip just feels like he's acting, right? It, feel, it feels like he's acting. So to me, that he just doing it to do it. He don't got nothing personal. But some of them you can feel like like it's really, really personal. You know, the thing, I tell you, Stephen A. Smith just wants, Stephen A. Smith wants to be, and he is, a celebrity. You know, he wants to be a celebrity and, once you're celebrity and you have that type of ego, you want to feel important. You know what I'm saying? So, I mean, that's just ego and wanting to feel important. So, when you want to feel important, that's what you do. And, I mean, rightfully, he's a, he's a celebrity. He's not just a reporter. Now, he's a celebrity. Frank? Uh, Frank? Uh, you know, I don't... I, I see Frank every once in a while. I, I don't... I, I can't say I know enough about him to make... I know you, like... And like the mafia or something, right? <laughs> and it's people like mafia. It could just be because it's people of mafia people. I, I'm not sure. I'm telling you, Ed, Ed, something happened with the 90s. I don't know if Ed's wife, you know, got with Nate Newton or something. I respect Jim Rome. I like Jim Rome. I've always liked Jim Rome. Look, if you're going to call somebody a name, call it to them to their face. And then if you got to fight, you got to fight. <laughs> That's the way it works. You can't say the stuff, and then when the person gets there, act like they, you know, you didn't say it. Jim came, the dude came on the show. Jim said, "Hey, we're on the show with, with Jim Everett, or should I say Chris?" <laughs> and Jim said, "You know something? I don't know if you want to turn off the cameras, but if you say it again, it's going to be consequences and repercussions." Now, when somebody says, "If you say it again, it's going to be consequences." and repercussions, you got two choices. If you don't say it again, you're a punk forever. I would rather be in the fight while I'm rolling around on the floor than be the person 20 years from now when they say, hey, remember when Jim Everett said if you say it again, he's going to punk you and you didn't say anything? I thought he did the right thing. He said, all right, Chris. <laughs> then they got to fight. That's what you got to do. It's okay. It's no problem with that. I think he got a lot of respect from that. People don't do that these days. Nobody does it these days. People say all type of crazy stuff, and nobody says anything. You know what I'm saying? Nobody says anything. I will say this about Stephen A. He will get the people, try to get the people on the show. Like, I know him and Kevin Durant had to sit down and all of that stuff. So, to me, I can respect that. If you're going to talk all that crazy stuff, then you should have your one-on-ones. And do that. But a lot of yeah, I don't recall the last time Skip actually said something bad about somebody and that person showed up on the show. Yeah, I mean, Sha Shaq and Chuck are like, uh, 
like brothers. So that's all that's happening. Somebody asked me about Devin Haney, and Devin Haney said that he'll never let a white boy beat him. That's something that boxes been saying since the beginning of time. Now, here's the thing about that, and this is very, very important. So I want you to listen, right? <sighs> Got to take a breath because my water's not good. I don't, I'm not getting the right hydration. But black fighters for a very long time have felt the need to have to resort to this type of stuff to get over and like become a brand name, okay? And I don't like it. I really don't. I really don't. It's not like a recent thing. You, I mean, Muhammad Ali was calling, you know, Joe Frazier a monkey, you know, way back in the day. He was calling Sonny Liston all type of stuff. You see what I'm saying? So for years, black fighters feel like they have to act like buffoons to get over. That's why, you know, Deontay Wilder says he wants to kill a man in the ring. Like, they feel like they have to act like buffoons. And then Floyd Mayweather comes around. And Floyd Mayweather, you know, when he was pretty boy Floyd Mayweather, he wasn't making that big money. He only started making money when he turned heel and became money Mayweather, right? So black fighters don't have, they feel like they have to do that. And I'll tell you why. And this is the sad part. They feel like they have to do it because if you know anything about boxing, boxing is worldwide, right? Boxing is a worldwide, a lot of different races, a lot of different cultures. And all the other cultures and races, all you have to do is be a good boxer and they'll support you no matter what. doesn't matter if you're Polish, if you're Mexican, if you're Puerto Rican, if you're UK, if you're Kakistan, if you're Russian, all of that stuff. It doesn't matter. You don't have to be a great talker. You don't have to be, you don't have to be in trouble. You don't have to trash talk. If you can fight, you know, Philippines, if you can fight, that culture is going to get behind you, right? You know, Manny Pacquiao don't say anything. Philippines love him. Miguel Cotto always said like two word sentences. Miguel Cotto, always behind him. Any Mexican fighter, as long as you can fight, the Mexicans are going to be behind you. Triple G, all Triple G says, this is boxing. This is a serious sport. All the Kakistan people behind him. The, 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 the heavyweight that's from Poland, was uh, Kalvinowski that just got knocked out, goes to the Barclays Center and get 10,000 people every single time and, and, and all Polish people. That's how it works. Mike Tyson, though, was a character. And it wasn't because Mike Tyson was trying to be a character. Mike Tyson was really that dude. He was really a criminal and, and, and bad guy. And said he was going to, you know, eat people's children and stuff. It was, had lions and had drama and all of that stuff. And the persona with the fighting. But black people, unfortunately, and I don't know why, I don't really have a good reason for this, is that it seems like the black boxing fan only gets behind the fool, okay? It's a reason, there's a reason that Adrian Broner, and this, I'm not lying when I say this. I, I, I see it. Adrian Broner is more popular, more well-known than Earl Smith, Sean Porter, uh, Javante Davis, you know, all of these, you got Devin Haney, all of these black, these good black fighters. Adrian Broner. Adrian Broner who gets arrested every other week, who hasn't won like a significant fight in many, many, many years. But Adrian Broner, 
is like a, he's kind of like those young rappers. He's like an NBA young boy. <laughs> For whatever reason, that makes him very popular. It's like that's a that's a, a, a that's a negative black person, black community thing that we have. And I'm not exactly sure why. But that's like you have to act like a fool for us to get behind you, right? Like Earl Smith should be if if Earl Smith and Mikey Garcia fight, you know, Earl Smith should have as many fans as Mikey Garcia. He's, he should be as big as Mikey Garcia. Now I will say that it's starting to change a little bit, you know, with Earl Smith and Sean Porter and blah and all of this stuff, right? It's starting to change a little bit, you know. Regis Pograri is uh, a pro grade. He does talk a lot. He's funny. I like him, though. It's starting to change a little bit. I think we starting to get away a little bit from the Mayweather, and he, unless you're Javante Davis. Like, Javante Davis is probably more popular than some of these other guys. But not popular because he's he he hasn't beaten anybody of any significance. It's just you know he's more he becomes more popular from dealing with what the the girl from Love and Hip Hop and throwing and putting hands on women just like Mayweather. That's not a good thing, you know that that's not a good thing. So that's something that has to has to change. So I think Devin Haney, right. That that's a good point, analyst. You you almost do got to be on the shade room to get popular with our people, which is sad. So to get back to Devin Haney, I think Devin Haney, who's a technical boxer, he sees Ryan Garcia. I think Ryan Garcia is a very good young fighter. I like Ryan Garcia. Ryan Garcia has what five million Instagram followers. Good looking kid reminds a lot of people of Oscar De La Hoya. He knocks guys out. He has a good personality and everything. And I think. Devin Haney, who fought Ryan Garcia in the amateurs and knows that their skill set is similar, is trying to figure out how Ryan Garcia has such a bigger following, getting more money and all of this stuff, cause, you know, than him. And so I think he thinks like, you know, what I have, he has to go outside of his personality. So he has to say Mayweather type of stuff to get people to pay attention to him. But I would I would tell Ryan Garcia. Well, I mean that's that's the thing when you're 21 years old, uh, uh, C. Rue, when you're 21 years old and you're an athlete, and but he does train. Just because you're on TikTok, that don't mean that you're not training. But that's how you uh, that's how you reach out to to young people. That's how you establish a fan base in 2020 TikTok. So I think what Ryan Garcia was, I got to do this to get people to pay attention to me. But my my advice to Ryan Garcia. To all of these young young black fighters that are coming up, Shakur Stevenson, like Shakur, you don't have to be disrespectful to people's families and all of this stuff. You know, the best way, still, even though it may take a little time, may take a little longer because you know you can't be like Canelo and just have a whole country just behind you. In the end, no matter what the sport is, if you win enough and you have big fights and you win, the fan base will come. So you just got to be a little patient. I know they're young, and they're not, but you don't have to go outside your personality. You don't have to do all of that. You just have to win and be okay. Go beat up when you have, when you fight Ryan Garcia. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that, Shakur shouldn't do that to 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 that that girl's family like that. Maybe the promoters are doing. Wilder, 
I think what happened was with Wilder, I tell you, I, I feel like Wilder for a long time was just being himself and just winning and everything was cool. And it, he was growing his, his, his fan base the natural way. But then Wilder said to this day, and it went viral. And at that point in his mind, he started to think that he had to say all of these catchphrases. Whereas to this day was natural. It just kind of naturally came out. It was authentic. But then all of a sudden his brain started working and said, oh, that's what people like. They like when I become, you know, Martin Luther X. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so now all of a sudden I'm going to just say all type of crazy stuff. But then people can see that it doesn't sound authentic. When people see that stuff's not authentic, then all of a sudden that, you know, they start kind of falling by the wayside. As far as his career, boxing is, is someone, boxing said that, somebody was pointing out that boxing, you're only as good as your last fight. So in boxing, you can always come back. You know, you can lose two, three fights in a row. But then if you win three fights, you know, everything changes. Um, yeah, I think, he, here's Steve, you can knock out people. You can always rebound. The problem with knockout artists, and this this goes back into the history of boxing. If your main thing is a knock a knockout artist, right? In general, your power doesn't leave. What happens is though your heart and your desire leaves. And when that air of superiority starts to, you know, people aren't scared of you anymore, then it makes you vulnerable. Because power punches like to come forward, right? That's how they get their power. They come at you. They stalk you, right? When people aren't afraid of you anymore or afraid of your punch, they step to you. And when you when people start stepping into power punching or power punches and they don't have the desire anymore, then all of a sudden their careers go like this. So I'm not sure. I mean, it's just one loss with Wilder. It could just you know be a blip. But we've seen it over the history of time. It does, you know, sometimes Roy, the the problem with Roy wasn't the power. The problem with Roy is Roy was so unique uh, with his his speed and everything. When his speed went away, his fundamentals were not like, he wasn't fundamentally sound. And so when all of that natural athleticism went away and then you add that in with a suspect chin, it went down quickly. So after a while, you get hit too much. All of a sudden, you start slowing down. People start st- same thing happened to Triple G. Triple G is an excellent boxer, uh, but he's a power guy. He likes to come forward, right? But you start slowing down just a bit. People are not as scared. People start being able to take your punch a little better because as you get older, you know the the, the power behind the punches on is great. Then necessarily now you're going forward. You, 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 people are coming at you. And, and if people, if I'm like Anthony Joshua, right? If you're Anthony Joshua, you know, uh, Fury doesn't have a huge punch. He has a respectable, you know, punch. So you can you respect when he hits you. But if you're Anthony Joshua, the whole mental dynamics have been changed. Sometimes it's just about your mental capabilities. If you like, I can take the punch. Sometimes, I, that's what happened with Canelo. Remember in the Canelo Triple G won? It was one point Canelo was sitting on the ropes, right? And Triple G hit him with his best right hand, right on the temple. And Canelo 
and smacked him right in the side. And Canelo was like, hmm, I can take it. From that point on, he stepped to him because he knew he could take the punch. You know you can take the punch. That changes everything. I think Fury, what happened with Fury, and I talked about this, was that every time he got knocked down, it was because he was backing up. He was backing away. And when he stepped to him, he was hurting him. He realized this. He just didn't have any more rounds in the first fight. See, this guy, if I just step to him, he's not used to anybody stepping to him. And here's the thing, you got to be smart about it, though, because you got you to gotta know how to step and also be defensively sound. That's when the boxer part take over. So Fury would step to him, basically put his arm out like this to make sure he couldn't get his, his right hand over his arm because he had long reach. And then he just took, he took him out. So if you're wilder, the, the, the thing is, it's, it's really all mental. It's, it's mental. It's not really physical. I don't think you can really make much changes. It's just mentally, this guy has, you know, stepped to you. Now, what are you going to do? Because here's the thing. If, if you try to, if you're not mentally ready and somebody has already punked you and stepped to you, and then you try to come like wild at them, they just get knocked out quicker. So it has to be mentally strong. All right, before I get out of here, Teddy Riley. I made this money. You didn't, right, Ted? <laughs> Teddy Riley. Yeah, well, Tyson was shot by then. By the Lewis, if, it's all about timing sometimes. If, if, if Tyson uh, actually, let's say Buster Douglas, right? You saw what happened with Buster Douglas. Kind of lost his air of, um, you know, in, invincibility. But he was still good at that point. If that Tyson actually trained really, really hard, and fought Evander Holyfield, at that point of his career, he probably would have beat Evander Holyfield. At that point, I'm talking about before, but he went to jail. When he went to jail for like three years, he had lost all of the, he had lost the, in here. And Holyfield still had it. Once you lose it in here, boxing is not the type of sport you can, you can, you can, you can coast on. You see what I'm saying? You can't coast. You gotta have it. So, Mike was still, you know, well, he beat Razor Ruddick twice. He didn't knock him out one time. But that's what I'm saying. That Mike, before he went to jail, after Buster Douglas, I'm not saying he was the same. He wasn't the same Mike as super young Mike. But he was still pretty good. And he was still very young. He just needed to focus on, you know, and not deal with Robin Gibbons and all of that stuff. But the jail thing, that, that killed him. Even though when he came out of jail, he wasn't that old because he started so young. It killed, it killed his up in here. That's what you have to wonder about with Wilder. Is it's up here still okay? I always thought the thing that the thing if Floyd Mayweather, the thing that Floyd Mayweather doesn't teach these young guys is they see the money, they see the cars, they see the jewelry, they see all of this, right? They see uh they 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 see the women. They see the money Mayweather. They see the strip club. They see the audit. They see all of that. that. That's what they see. What Mayweather has failed to teach these young guys is that through all of that, through all of that, he never laxed on his training. He never laxed on his preparation. He never laxed on any on all of the other stuff. That's why this stuff. So sometimes you just see the glitz and glamour. You don't see the hard work. That goes about. It doesn't matter if you're training at 3 a.m. after the strip club or you're training at 6 a.m. As long as you 
are training, you're not you're not drinking, you're not doing drugs, you're not blowing up in weight. You know what I'm saying? You 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 have to do that part if you want the thing. So yeah, the cupcaking with uh with his, I think I think Wilder maybe got a little too comfortable. Sometimes if you have a weapon, you got a right hand, and everybody is kind of. I thought the worst thing that happened to Wilder was the second Ortiz fight. You know why? Because Wilder didn't do anything for eight rounds. <laughs> he did nothing. He just walked around. And they knocked him out. So I think he started getting a false sense of security about, like, I don't have to do anything. I could just walk around, and I just knock these guys out. And I think he started slacking. And he started not really taking it seriously. And I think the fact that he had knocked down Fury twice, I think in his mind, he was like, well, I knocked him down twice. You know, I'm going to go ahead and do it again. It's not going to be a big deal. Not realizing that, that 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 Fury was actually training and had a plan. I, I, you know, I don't know about Joshua because, you know, when someone gets knocked out like Joshua got knocked out, you don't know if it's like a, a you know, one-time thing. Like people like Lennox Lewis and, and Vladimir Klitschko, they got knocked out before and then they come back and they've shown to have pretty decent chance, pretty decent uh, defense. So I just want to make sure before I start giving any proclamations that Joshua is back, uh, that we see him kind of go through some adversity again. When he goes through some adversity again, then you know a really hard fight, then we can kind of kind of say, yeah, I mean, Klitsch, yeah. So you know, maybe sometimes you got to learn the hard way. Klitschko had to learn, and maybe Joshua had to learn, and maybe Wilder had to learn, and hell, Fury had to learn. He got knocked down a couple times, so now you got to learn the hard way. So we have to see. So I don't know. Right now, I, I think Fury. I think Fury. You know, unless you know, the th unless Fury got caught slipping, and I would say if Fury decided, like once again, that he was going to get lax, then I say Wilder would have a shot. But if we get, if he get a uh, uh, in shape Fury, then then I don't think you can beat him. No, I don't think the do well. I don't know do do Dolphins. I don't know the draft. Super E, bro. You don't know. Everybody's lying. So who knows? Yeah, Joshua. I, we have to see with Joshua, but that's a good thing. The good thing is, is we have heavyweights that are actually interesting and good, and there's some actual heavyweights a little bit below Fury, Wilder, and Joshua that are good. That's a good thing. That's a good thing for boxing. Uh, Teddy, Teddy Riley, you made this money. I didn't, right, Ted? Anyway. Uh, Teddy Riley just proves my point that I always tell people that people prefer conflict over content. And what do I mean by conflict over content? We prefer the drama than the actual stories. The whole cover up is bigger than the crime. The RZA and uh, uh, name is just right on the top of my tongue. The RZA and uh, DJ Premier had a perfect, flawless IG Live back, right? B great songs, right? Back and forth. Little John and T-Pain. Flawless IG Live battles, right? But those battles only got 200,000, 300,000, 400,000, right? It took Teddy to come in there and do a bunch of drama for more people to start to watch. And that's how it ended up being 600, 700,000 people in there. People prefer the drama. Don't let anybody fool you into believing that they just care about the X and O's. Like, yeah, we all care about the X and O's. We all care about, you know, the 
y'all care about you know who wins the game and the great plays and highlights and all that stuff but if the rona has taught me anything is this that people prefer the drama over anything else the reason i can say that confidently right is that there's no games on so there's no highlights there's nothing for me to go to to report on. There's nothing for me to be ringside. There's nothing for me to be courtside. Nothing for me to be field on. There's nothing on there. There's nothing on there, right? And my traffic is up 30%. 30%. I wake up in the morning for the last, like, three or four days, and don't forget, I'm on the West Coast, right? So I'm on the West Coast. I wake up. That's yeah, the wrong. I used to wake up a little early. But, you know, whatever. I wake up at 8 or 9 o'clock, so in the morning. So East Coast guys, it's 11 noon, right? 11 or noon o'clock. I wake up, 8 o'clock in the morning, already 100,000 people have been on the site before I even wake up. You know what I'm saying? Before I even wake up. This is the stuff from the, the day before. You see what I'm saying? People like the other stuff. And what's happening is, is that they're, they're consuming it. So, yeah, I mean, who, yeah, who was talking about Teddy Riley? You know, business is boom. People like the other stuff. And that they, now they're coming to it in droves. And I, I think finally the ESPNs and the other, they're figuring it out. So that's they're kind of catering to it now because they're always still, you know, from us. But that's how it goes. So good for Teddy. I mean, I'll be honest with you. I'd have watched the Teddy and, 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 and Babyface battle. But if it would have just went off on Sunday like regular, would we still be talking about it on Wednesday? <laughs> right? Right. The, the biggest post about, and this is not just me. I know I can see what other people are doing. The biggest post about the last dance, this is true. I guarantee you this. The biggest post about the last dance, not just on my site, but on TMZ, on, on uh, uh, Sport News, on SI, whoever decided to do it was, I know it's Larsa, but it's Larissa. <laughs> was Larissa Pippen. I guarantee it. If, if, if you got their stats, anybody who wrote a Larissa Pippen story after the last dance, dance that was their number one story. Because it, it includes everything. It includes the Bulls, Jordan, Future, <laughs> all of this other stuff. People like that stuff. That's what they want. They want the drama more than anything else. Doing the wrong. All right, that's it for today. Um, you guys, look, Jordan. Jordan signed that bad contract too. Jordan had a bad contracts. Do you know the reason that that LeBron and KD do those one year contracts? That's because like, um, it's because of what uh, Jordan did. But the reason that we have max contracts was. Because of of what they were doing, yeah, they used to sign up long those long those long contracts all the time. So you know, and, and you see it now, seven years, eighteen million, all of this stuff. But back then, that was a lot of money. Uh, Scotty got his money on the back end, so I don't know what he's complaining about. He wanted to leave, but he was Scotty got his money when he wasn't a good, um, when he wasn't a great player. Yes. <laughs> At that point, even though he had a chance with the Blazers to go to the finals, and they blew it with the Lakers. Remember they were up 15? Yeah. Scotty blew it. Scotty had a couple of, like, I think, free throws and um, 
had a couple of shots where they could have, you know, they could have beat the Lakers in seven, but they didn't do it. Scotty's a good player, though. But his complaining, obviously, I think you're seeing is that the whining that's going on uh, between Jordan and, and Pippen. And he thought Rodman was the bad guy. <laughs> All right. See you guys later. See you tomorrow. Please be safe. Uh, hey, listen, um, let the white people and MAGA go out first when they open back up the states. Let them go out first. Let them go ahead and do, make sure that if they get sick, let them go out first, okay? They want to go out. They want to go do all this stuff. They want to let the dogs lick their face and all of that stuff. That's fine. Let them go out. Just just hang in there. I know you want to hit the club too, but just hang in there for like a couple of weeks. Let them go out. Let them, let them be the test dummies. You know how they had the little rats that they always do the test on? Let the MAGA people be the mice. Let them go out there. If there's no second wave, then you go ahead and roll out. But until then, you just chill, okay? Chill for about two, two, three weeks after they let everything back open. Just, just don't do too much and, and see and stay at home and everything and see what happens. And then if everything's cool, then you roll out and enjoy your summer. But go ahead. Let them go ahead and do it. Let them do it for you. For the best in sports and sports entertainment, check out BlackSportsOnline.com and you can catch me, Robert Littow, Monday through Friday on TMZ Sports on FS1. Follow me on Twitter at BSO, Facebook, Black Sports Online, Instagram, and YouTube, BSOTV. I'm out.